You're listening to Dr. Leslie Inspires, a show where we empower mothers by raising their level of awareness, discussing tough mother-son issues that everyone knows exists, but no one is talking about. Dr. Leslie is joined by Mr. Wayne, who provides insight from a male perspective. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.drlesleyinspires.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leslie. So we're going to go ahead and get started. want to thank each of you for being on the conference call tonight. We know it's Friday night, but we are all locked down, locked up, and just growing and growing and growing each day. 30 days of pandemic mom to chrysalis mom. So we are all changing and evolving uh, over these 30 days. And I did send out a text message that um, tomorrow and Sunday, uh, due to the Easter weekend, and this is Good Friday, so happy Good Friday to each of you. But we will not be having the call uh, this weekend, and we will resume on Monday. And we've got some powerful speakers on uh, next week, scheduled for next week as well. So you have all been wonderful. We thank you so much for the growth. We thank God for the opportunity to serve you. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing uh, Dr. Ethel uh, tonight. So we're going to go ahead and start in prayer with Mr. Wayne. All right. Thank you, everybody. Let's back this. Dear Lord, we thank you again for a wonderful evening, a wonderful guest, and uh, Dr. Ethel, and uh, well, facilitator, and Dr. Leslie God. We know that your scripture talks about uh, the fact that this takes work and what we're doing. This is a powerful work. Your scripture discuss uh, one that I recall, come to me that are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take thy yoke upon me, for I am meek and lonely in heart you should find rest for your souls for thy yoke is easy and thy burden is light so the rest is for the soul not the flesh meaning this takes work and so we're working to uh, continue to grow Uh, we look forward to the testimony with dr ethel so uh, we come with listening ears and open hearts in jesus christ's name we pray amen amen dr ethel I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but I will say that Dr. Lane is an author. She's one of the most talented uh, accountants on the planet. And she is an, uh, she's a pastor, or I should say uh, a woman of God that knows how to get the word across uh, quite well. So, Dr. Lane, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself, everyone, and thank you again for coming. Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, Hello. As um, Dr. Leslie spoke, I'm Dr. Ethel Wilson Lane. I was born in Moultrie, Georgia, but have crossed the world. And now we're here today to talk about um, a book that Dr. Leslie has helped me birth. I started writing it probably around in 2011, but she put fire under me last week for me to finish it and get it to her. But the title of the book is called The Prodigal Has Returned. And um, several years ago, um, as I stated with Dr. Leslie and and Mr. Wayne, that 
I have three children and one, my youngest will be actually 35 on April 14th. And then I have sons that are 36 and 37. And, you know, I have, I was blessed to have a, a village of mature women, men and women who helped me rear my children along with my siblings and uncles and aunts. And so, but I saw that in the literary world, manuals to help with adult children was a big missing part. So I started writing a book and the title of the book is called The Prodigal Has Returned. And there's several, um, it's a progression, you know, it goes back and forth. But mainly um, when a child returns, it's not the child, same child that left. So you almost have to relearn each other and living in close quarters sometimes that's not always an easy thing so i went through and um some the chapters that i, I outlined um let me get over here because you know the holy ghost gave me this so i can't say it's my book it's what god shared with the holy ghost through me and the titles are so now we are parents you are not wanted nor needed i'm pursuing my dream don't call until they want something one day my world just fell apart the prodigal has returned. Who are all these people? Attitudes or attitudes? There can be peace in the valley and fortify and release. So I know all of those titles hold um, some should have touched each one of you all at some level because if you have adult children, one of those chapters have been at your house or is coming to your house and hopefully that it would be a blessing to you. Um, I have a background in education, but I became an accountant at the age of seven. My mother was my first client, and then by the age of 12, I was keeping books in my church. And by the time I got to high school, I was actually um, a national officer for the Young People's Department of the African American Church. And as you know, most of us, when we go to college, we forget about what we did at home and then we're gonna do our own thing. So I got, I let, like the children say, I got out in them streets <laughs> <laughs> and did what I wanted to do and uh, made my husband my God. And when he finished with me, I ran back mm. to the Lord. And so in my going back to the Lord, um, my mom ended up having my children for a season, which was supposed to be only um, a temporary situation, but it took me five years. It didn't really take me that long to get together, but my mom had got my children and she didn't really want to give them back. So it took me that long to build up enough nerve to say, I'm coming to get my babies because um, during that season, um, Wayne Williams, the situation was going on and children were disappearing in Atlanta. And my mom's like, oh no, you can't bring my, take my kids up there. And so I had to kind of bribe the children. I was living in an apartment and we used to do a lot of traveling. So my children thought the apartments were hotels. I didn't realize they didn't realize that, you know, they think you're supposed to visit a hotel. So they said they wanted a real home. So I said, well, what would you like? And they said, well, mom, we want a big house with a big yard. So God blessed me with that. Um, we moved to Riverdale. And, um, and my sister can attest, it was a house of love. It was the neighborhood house and everybody would come. It sat on almost two acres. It had a had a um, apple tree in the backyard. And then the gentleman with the property behind me had a 10 acre field. 
and the cows used to come over the field and eat my apples. So we had a country living, and we were right there in Clay <laughs> County, Georgia. And so the yep. children grew up. They all went to the same elementary school, all same middle school, all same high school. And that was by design because I knew I had that type of stability. It, we grew up in a neighborhood where even today, we have the same neighbors we had since 1976. So we do have a sense of a place to go back home, whereas most children that, that are reared in the city do not have that opportunity. So we got them through um, elementary school, high school, and then it became time to go to college. Okay, so that's a whole nother story. I tell the story that the boys had left home and I was left with my daughter and she, it was about March, I believe. And she was to graduate in April and she came to me and announced, well, May, and said she wasn't going to college. I said, well, darling, your lease is up if you don't graduate. So she ended up going to college and we all, as they progressed through college, I was led to go back to school and we were all in college at the same time. And then my daughter and I graduated on the same day. She graduated with her bachelor's. I graduated with my master's. And I had three kids in three separate states, two private out of state, and only one took advantage of the Hope Scholarship. So with all that being said, um, I can't take any credit. It was my ancestors, my mom, my family, the community, but mainly it was my ability to hear the Holy Spirit when it came to my situation. And I can remember one of the, everybody told me how traumatic um, life was going to be with three teenagers. But what, God bless me, and my sister can attest to this because my whole family knows her, with a special friend. We met in the store one day. Her name is Dr. Ida Mitchell Hinton. And she just bad her how it out to me, kind of like what Dr. Lesser has have us doing tonight and telling us the real raw truth about life and not color coding it. And I can remember her saying to me when I first married, and we've been friends now almost 28 years. And she said, you know what, Sister Ethel? She says, our children are, are like paper dolls. She said, we dress them up so beautifully, but we don't put anything in them. And so from wow. that day forward, I started, and my mother, my mother is the world's greatest child psychologist because she told me when they were young, she said, you look at what their natural giftings are. She said, don't, don't try to impose your will on them let just follow what they do and that's what i did so i ended up with uh, my oldest son he um was a mathematician now he's singer songwriter producer rapper now he's a screenwriter he just finished writing a play about a year ago and now he's trying to find you know the executive producers and like anything else you got to get the money to make it happen and my second son ended up attending berkeley college of music in boston he lives out in la and he sings right produces but he got, you know, what I didn't know as a parent that my son made me very well is that artists are always unemployed. I was like, they're always unemployed? So yeah, he said, you know, it's from one gig to the next. So to soften his trauma, he became, he came in, came into retail management. And so he's with the uh, upper high-end re retailer and he's doing well. And my daughter, the one that didn't want anything to do with the county, didn't want to know about a county, dropped out of tax, everything else, now um, helped run the family 
business and she's one class away from her master's in account um business administration and organizational leadership so back to um so all that's all and i'm happily 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 married to a gentleman from across the water in africa and he has really broadened my horizons as far as um understanding what a family unit really is you know i found being an american we tend to not really take seriously our commitments and i learned from his family because his dad had three wives and concubines and they had other children and and god knows you know in africa if you are well off you inherit people the cousins and uncles and so at my mother-in-law house even till this day it's not unusual for a dinner to have about 50 people every night and so but i learned i'm um, watching his family it's not that they don't fight it's not that they agree all the time it's just that they know how to forgive and move on right and so i picked that up and in working with my adult children that has come has become a very good tool to learn how to first of all take the time to really know who you are dealing with just because you have a child doesn't mean that you have a relationship with a child so i had to learn how to differentiate between what you know just because i feed house and clothe you doesn't give me a relationship with you but i did tell my children listen now while you're at home and in my house i'm not your friend and the reason that i'm not your friend is because there may be some situations that will arise as your friend, I can't tell you. So after you move out of my house and you get on your own, then we can work on our friendship. And so I, cause you know, like uh, Mr. Wayne said last night, we have to work on our boundaries and make sure that we keep our boundaries. It's not, it's not just for the children, it's also for us. And so I had some boundaries and then as they grew older, I had to have the conversation with them as Ms. Pam spoke the other night and said, look, they didn't come with a manual. So, you know, some of the things I didn't get right. But I'm woman enough to come to you and say, look, at the, inf at the time with the information that I had, that was the decision I made. I have now come into more understanding and now I want to first apologize to you and say, look, mama don't know everything. Mama is still learning, but you know, we gotta move on, you know, from there. So that's where um now that they're adults, that you know, I've I've learned how to um respect their space. And I've one key lesson I learned, if they don't tell, I don't know, even if they've told me. That they, they they the other siblings may have told me but i try to let them come to me with their version because nobody has your version but you unless you tell them so i always leave room what even when we're doing research you got to have five percent error so we i try to leave that room for the exception dr leslie to, to come into play and also um in dealing with my adult son i i had to learn that they're individuals with my children being um, so close in age, I used to say y'all and them and they, 
but um, they had no problem telling me when they reached teenagehood that they're individuals and they would appreciate if I would address them as so. I was like, you know, so the Holy Spirit gave me this. Listen to this, you all. I had to try to figure out how I could spend individual time with them. So I, the Holy Ghost led me to make doctor appointments early in the morning. So whichever one had to go to the doctor, I didn't take them back to school. That was our time to have one-on-one. And so the moral of all of this tonight is the Holy Spirit is our God. And if we're having any issues, the Holy Spirit will be the one to lead and guide you into all truths because that's his job. So my success in life has been a combination. You know, I was young when I had them. I was, um, in fact, married and through with childhood bearing uh, probably at the age of 21. And I started the business when I was 24, no, 25. Started the business when I was 25. So you know, I've had my children and the business my whole life, but the my main um, foundation from outside of my, my strong mom and grandmother and family, sisters, brothers, cousins, aunt, uncles, we were blessed to have a huge extended family and the people in our neighborhoods were our school teachers. And we went to school together, we went to church together, we did recreational things together. So I came from a strong background almost to uh, a point where we were sheltered and I didn't realize how sheltered we were and that everybody didn't have that lifestyle until I actually went off to college and realized, Ooh, I got to fend for myself. And, you know, to find out that sometimes people can dislike you just from looking at you. I thought, you know, somebody would have to do something to you, you know, in order for to get that negativity from them. But I found out that's not life. And, I had grown up in, in Moultrie, Georgia, in a small town, but um, growing up in that town, we were able to um, get a lot of benefits because it was predominantly Caucasian um, county, and the school system was as if we were in private school. So I got to see Van Gogh at our local library in 1980, and I got to meet Mr. Almond Hammer then in Moultrie and Mr. Art Linkletter. And then my mom worked for Floyd Patterson when he was the world heavyweight champion. So she moved to New York. So even though I was a country bumpkin, so to speak, I still had um, exposure to the outside world. And that brings me back to um, another um, instance about our children is, how do you expose your children? Because whatever you expose them to, it's gonna have to become the issue that you will eventually have to deal with. So I kept my children in a controlled environment. When they were growing up, they did not realize they were controlled. Um, their favorite pastime was skating. So they had a standing date at the skating rink called Sparkles down in Riverdale every Saturday. And it was the place, like when we were growing up, we always had the youth center or Dr. Wayne, perhaps being from Chicago, they had the gym or whatever, but you always had this spot where if you were anybody, you were going to be at that spot at a certain time. And especially growing up in Moultrie, you all would not believe this, but 4th of July in Moultrie is as big as Christmas. And you cannot show up at the spot without a new outfit on. <laughs> so, you know, we all, I found out, you know, growing up, we all 
have our themes and norms, but then when you move out of your local place and you are exposed to the world, then you pick up other, um, other education, other habits, other, um, other languages. I happen to have picked up pieces of two other languages very well, and I'm working on three more because I found out that I, well, I, it was a personal decision. When I um, moved to Africa, I would not be in a country where I can at least say hello, ask the person how they're doing, and order the food that I want to order because I experienced firsthand of telling someone what I want, what I wanted, and then they translated for me and I got something totally different. And then, you know, you don't want to offend anybody. They're doing the best that they can. So I said, let me just start learning this language myself so I could ask for what I wanted. Um, and then I'm looking at the time, Dr. Lisa, I got eight minutes before we at the half hour. So um, one more story and then I'll open the floor up for questions. Um, last but not least, um, I had to understand that my children do not belong to me. They're a gift from God. And, and they're, they're only with me for a little while. And the scripture that says, train up a child in the way that he should go. He, when he grows old, he will not depart far from it. And that far is a dash. It's like a hyphen on, on the epithet on, on a headstone. We don't know how long, you know, that, that dash will be till you get to the end of, of the death date. So it's that way with your children. You know, we're in that, that hyphen, I call it, in between the dates, you know. And so anything, all things are subject to change. Um, Dr. Ida um, taught me this concept about going, she called it going under your child. That means when they're adults, you got to let them think that they're right. If, if Whatever it takes to keep the peace, and then you have to wait until the Holy Ghost opened up the door for you to revisit that. Because um, my, my friend, um, Sabrina Marsh, Marshall Key, um, told me this years ago. I remember when I had first gone to college and she's a counselor. She ended up being a counselor at the school we attended in Moultrie, Georgia. And she retired after 30, over 30 years in the school system. And she said to me, because I was one of those people that used to have to always be right. She says, Ethel, you got to learn to pick your battles. Mm -hmm. She said, there's no need of spending all the energy winning all of these battles and lose the war. And so I learned to preserve my energy. There is nothing worth me losing my relationship with my adult child. And my mom says this, and it's so funny, but um, I'm like my friend Yvette Fleming says, it's funny, but it's factual. We all have children to remind us of the child that we once were. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. She said, God gives you children to punish you. <laughs> But what you've done to your parents. I said, oh, mama, please don't tell me that. I said one day we were going through it. And I was like, I remember my mom used to um, have, my mom always was the business lady. And we had a charge account at the local grocery store, right? And so my mom would send me to the store. And I was, wouldn't want to go. And so my 
get back at my mother for making me go to the store. I, would, I love Snickers. So I would always put, while I go to the store, I put a Snicker on the counter. So check this out, you all. She let me get 50 years old to tell me she knew I was getting those Snickers. <laughs> well, as a child, I had, she was like, well, you know the man wrote down everything you got. I said, Mama, well, since you bear your heart to me, tell me this. Did I look as crazy to you saying some of the stuff I said to you as my children do to me? She said, honey, one in the same. One in the same. <laughs> so, you know, the moral of the story is that we're all on a journey to our most authentic self. And God was patient with us and merciful and kind towards us until we got it right. So, you know, the Christian thing to do is I always say, I always try to extend kindness and mercy and grace because I know if I keep living one day, I'm going to need that. I'm going to need you to give me some mercy and some grace and some kindness and some unforgive some forgiveness for what might have been unforgiving at the time and that the situation happened. And the, un the, the unforgiveness part, well, the forgiving me, forgiving in an unforgiving situation releases you from the situation. And I always say all of the negativity that had that happened between our relationship, I'm gonna leave that in the past because if I bring it to the present, I'm contaminating my present. And you can't move on always rehashing and 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 bringing all of that negativity to your present moment. So that's what I um, practice both personally and professionally because I realize I never say that someone has left me. I always say that person transitioned or they transferred because and if that's the case, then that means I'm leaving room for them to always come back. And I found that life is a full circle. And Layla Hathaway, if you ever get a chance to, and I mentioned it in the book, um, she has this song called... Um, when your life was low, she made it with Joe Sample. And it talks about this friend, you know, she helped him up and then you don't hear from him. And then she's having to hear about their lives through others. But she says, you know, life is, you know, I was your friend when your life was low. But remember, you may have to come back again. So that's the, what I'm gonna leave you with today, um, parents and children, you know, you wanna leave that bridge open because you never know and in the country, we always say you don't burn bridges because you never know when you'll have to cross back over it. That's right. So um, that's um, my take on today. Thank you all for listening. And um, Dr. Leslie, I, I give the presentation back to you. Okay. Well, um, I have a question, something you just said. Um, you always leave room for them to come back. Um, you know, it goes full circle. And we understand forgiving, but what about those who forgive and they're, they're one, struggling to forgive, and then two, they don't want them to go full circle. They don't want them to come back. They want them, I forgive you, but I don't want to deal with you. I'm not leaving that door to be open. What do you say to that parent? Well, I say, unfortunately, God didn't give you that choice because whether you... I don't say you have to physically put yourself in harm's way. If it's a negative situation, by all means, stay safe. 
but as a as a as a mother as a sister as a wife as a cousin as an aunt as a friend i learned that being forgiven doesn't mean that they have to be in your personal circle they don't you still feed them with a long handled spoon but you cannot wipe them out of your memory simply because they have made you become who you are good bad or indifferent and if you remove that person that situation out of your life then you're not the person that you are so you honor um in ghana they say it best they have this um word called sankofi have you all heard of sankofi and that's looking back and you honor what's back there but then you keep looking forward at the same time and that's what i say to parents you know you honor that time and choose to look at nobody in life, no matter what they have done, is 100% bad. There's one, if it's only one thing they ever did well, then you just concentrate on that one positive thing and move forward. Because you don't want to get stuck carrying around something. Because I had a situation where a person had offended me, and I, you know, we were in elementary school. And I can remember she, I asked her, even she was very ugly to me. I asked her to sing at my wedding at the church that, that I grew up in. And just, you know, after all of those years going back, talking to her as an adult, I realized I had allowed her to affect my life all the way up until that point over something she didn't really remember she did. So, you know, that that's my take. You, you know, you just, keep stay safe number one and then release them release them into the hands of god i promise you he can get them better than you can and god has a sense of humor he will i he will allow someone that doesn't even know really know you or know the situation and they'll come back and tell you something about that person and they're telling you and you're getting delivered and they don't even know that you're getting a deliverance and I've seen it's happened to me many a times. So I've learned to release. And that's the title of my final chapter. You fortify them and you release them back out into life. Miss Pam, uh, Miss Pam, go ahead and ask your question. My question is, how long have you been married? And then how is the relationship with your husband and your children? Okay, we've been married um, 23 and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, they, we, the, the, the boys, and he, because they came in when they were teenagers, right. he always took the background. And he always allowed them to initiate the relationship. I was like, this is a very smart man. Because I realized that a lot of times when you have blended families and sometimes you have a man come in, he has a strong personality and he feels like he's got a market territory and he doesn't quite understand that this was a nucleus family before you came. Mm -hmm. You're an addition. But what I did to help ease the situation was I didn't just get married. I allowed my children to have a say. Now, mind you, now this is a controlled environment. So mm -hmm. I asked them, point blank, what can I do 
to help you not run him off. <laughs> and they said, well, mama, just don't change your name. We want you to keep our name. And so I did that. Mm -hmm. And I also explained to them, look, I'm not looking for your daddy. You already have father. I'm looking for, a com this is for me. And I'm looking for companionship. Because one day you all are going to grow up. And that's what Bengali said to me, because he did, had not been married and didn't have children. And I said, you sure you want to come into this kind of situation? And he says, oh, Mama Lito, don't worry. One day they're going to be all grown and gone, and it's going to be just me and you. And I said to myself, hmm, he think he's going to last that long? Well, here we are. It's just the two of us. <laughs> and so they all individually have their relationship, you know. And again, uh, if my sons are listening, if they want to chime in, I have, well, I didn't give you their names. I have two adult sons, Lauren is 37 and Larry's 36. I asked them to chime in. I don't know if they chimed in yet. And um, my daughter is L'Oreal and she's 35. But yeah, they all have their um, relationship because they understood this was really about Bengali and I, and that I understood that they would grow up one day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it's the timing of everything. I, I, I had to tell my daughter one day, we were in a heated discussion, and I had to tell her, look, I can't have this conversation with you because you're not qualified to yeah. understand. You got to live a little longer, mm -hmm. go through some stuff. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, then come back and let's have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, I think over the course of these conversations, I think we all have gathered that uh, at a certain age, especially going into adulthood, uh, ch children, they seem to think that they know everything. They feel like they think they know what's right and what's wrong, which, which uh, takes me to a question someone just asked me over the phone. Um, they want to know, how do you deal with a, uh, an adult child who always thinks they're right? How do you deal, how should they deal with it so that they can keep their peace? That go under that I was just talking about, just go under them. They're adults, they're entitled to their opinion and God and time takes care of everything. Again, it's still that same situation. You can't find a, a common ground because they haven't experienced things yet. And just like our parents were patient with us, they knew we were foolish. They knew we were doing foolish things. But that's the journey. God loves us enough to love us in our mess. And like their decision, our decision, I use the analogy that um, put a heater, if you put a heater in the middle of the floor like we used to have in the country, and you tell a child that heater is hot. I don't care what you do, they're gonna find a way to get to that heat and touch it. And then they find out that it's really hot. And once they find out that it's hot, anybody else that come up to that heat, they're gonna say, hot, hot, hot. <laughs> so that's kind of how, you know, how it goes. You just have to recognize that you're the adult, you've lived a little longer, and as I also use the analogy that Jesus used when they were hanging him on the cross, 
Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because if the devil knew crucifying Jesus would give him, give us the keys to the kingdom, he wouldn't have never killed Jesus. And it's the same with us. The stuff, you know, hindsight is 100%. A lot of stuff we wouldn't have done had we known the fruition of our choices. And it's the same with our children. You just leave them be. But I also have found a lot of times when we are too involved in our children's day-to-day -day life, if you get busy getting your life, you don't have time for all of their stuff. You, you'll have time. You'll be so busy over here in your world. And I always say, if they don't call, I, I used to think, you know, something wrong if they don't call. Ooh, honey, now I know that's a blessing. If they don't call, that means they are all right. You get busy doing you, and you don't have time to worry about them. And next thing you know, it'll be like me. I can't believe I will soon have a 35-year-old. If someone had told me when they were little, and I was a single parent struggling, trying to figure out how to get them all this Easter. Easter coming up. That was a biggie coming up in the South. How to get those Easter's clothes for those kids in and, and school and take care of them. If someone had told me while I was in my height of frustration and worry and stressed out, that honey, don't worry. Because someday, honey, you won't even know when school starts. You don't know when Easter's coming. You know, everything is relative. I hope that answered the question. Did you ever have a situation uh, as you brought your husband in, uh, in to your nucleus where the, the, your sons felt like, you not my daddy? And if so, how did you and how did he deal with that? Well, you know what? I was blessed because again, like I said, I realize now in hindsight, that Bengali was was a very smart person. He always respected my nucleus with my children. And he always allowed me to do the interacting with them, the discipline. He, he'd get me over in the corner and, and tell me some things, but he basically just left the children alone. And we had, you know, another thing, he always worked at night and we worked at day. So we were able to keep things separated. And that, those were those boundaries. But you know, from time to time, he would come up and say things. But yeah, he recognized that that um, a lot of things was just not his place to come in on. And you know what? I had to learn that being married to a foreigner, mm. that I, it's okay not to understand some things because we're culturally different. And I'm going to be, no matter how I try, I, I you know, Dr. Les, I got some fabulous Af African outfits. But it just does not make me African. I speak some of the language. I'm not an African. So there will be some things that you will not understand. And it's okay. Because that's not your world. I learn anything that goes on with his family, whether I understand it or not, I just, mm-hmm, all right then. And if he asks, I, I give my opinion. But I always kept the, that bridge open because it's got to go both ways. And so that's the, you know, the frustration that comes. The word tells us to know them who labor among us. And that comes, you know, I heard someone, uh, I think it was um, Mrs. Baysmore speak about um, 
that Proverb 31 woman. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a, an, an additional revelation to that because I'm like, everybody's talking about the Proverbs 31 woman. And my son even gave me that poem when I turned 40. But I really read that story. And the woman was doing everything. She was a real estate agent. You know, she kept the house going well. She kept everybody clothed and fed. And the husband was sitting on the wall with the elders, getting honored. I was like, okay, 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 okay. So now when you talk about that Proverbs 31, I want you to really go back and read that story. Because the woman doing a lot of the, the detailing and the husband sitting on the wall, she making him look good. <laughs> and so I, you know, that was another thing, but it came with me getting busy, working on Ethel. And Ethel became a full-time job because it was like I had inner healings, you know, things from childhood, adulthood, you know, just life that I had to personally work on. And I realized a lot of my frustration came from me not blending and becoming into who I really got, well, who God had purposed me to be in my life. And once I became the person that God, first of all, discovering my purpose. Second of all, taking the word of God seriously and using it as the foundation of who I was to become because I was an emotional wreck for many years because like Miss Pam, I was the doer, doer, giver, 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 go, go, go. And I was emotionally, financially and physically bankrupt and i had to stop and take the time and fill myself up and once you get so full of yourself and you get in the presence of god and he gives you what you need then you can stretch out your arms as show my arms you can stretch out your arms and give to humanity because i always say once i got into god and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, I, that's when I really became fulfilled because all these external things will never fill the void of God in your heart. You got to just go to God and get that. And you know, those were uh, very good points. Anybody else can chime in. But part of what this whole thing is about is exactly what you just said, finding our authentic selves. And what does that mean? Because many women who have interest in a platform like this uh, are somewhat the Proverbs 31 woman, just like you said, always doing, always busy, always caring for others, putting others before herself. And so I really thank God Uh, and I'm trying to take advantage of this coronavirus time, Uh, I'm looking at it as a blessing because I would have never looked at 30 days being able to establish this platform and being able to allow women this time to really reflect on self and reflect and uh, hear other women. You know, part of the challenge is so many women are feeling this way, having these emotions uh, and feelings and going through the same things, but so are other women, but the devil tends to isolate women and make them feel that 
feel like they're on an island by themselves. There are women that I work with who won't get on this phone and they need all the help in the world, but that pride keeps them uh, isolated, making them feel like they, you know, they, people can't know, you know, because when you see them, they're all dressed up, looking good, working out, but on the inside, an absolute wreck. So that makes me applaud you all for, uh, for being on the platform. And of course, everything happens in due time. But again, part of what we're trying to do is deal with our authentic selves and us dealing with ourselves is going to only help us to create better young men, better men for the world, for the community, for families. And it starts with us, I believe, because this is where we are. We're dealing with the now. Right. Well, um, everyone, I started my spiritual journey at 31. I realized going to church, working in the church, that there was a disconnect. And the disconnect was I had become, um, I think it's Ayanna Vanza has a book called Disappearing Acts. Mm -hmm. I read that book. And I realized I literally had disappeared. I had become everything everybody else wanted me to be. And I didn't know myself. And, you know, I was always the peacemaker. I, I remember I had a breakdown in the grocery store after my divorce. I went to reach for a can of poking beans and weenies. Well, poking beans and make poking beans and weenies. Because that's what my ex-husband loved. And I realized from, from the day I left him up until th that present day, I don't have to buy another can of poking beans if I don't want to. <laughs> so, you know, it's comical now, but it's really just that simple. You have to just stop. And I even down to, I would ask myself, what I always say, you know, you need to talk to yourself. Just don't answer back. <laughs> but I went down from head to toe and asked myself, well, why do you like that? I found myself wearing stuff I didn't really like, but that was the fad. I found myself dressed in a certain way that wasn't me. And so I just took myself back. It's not a, a one day thing. It's a lifetime journey because at different ages and different stages, I'm, I'm not wanting the same things at 56 that I wanted when I was 16. And so I had to understand Bishop Jake says this too, he talks about maximize the moment. I had to learn and understand today, I can never introduce this book ever again for the first time. Mm. And so I'm gonna be in this present moment, enjoying today. And every day um, in Christianity, in Matthew 6 and 33, it tells us not, not um, in that, 33, 34, 35 in there. It tells us not to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself. We got to worry worry about what's going on today. Uh, I don't know. What, oh, there we are. And so I've learned, take it day by day. We didn't get in these messes we made overnight. And it's, it's a process. And I literally... Unjunked, I call it. I got a spiritual deliverance. So when I show up now, 
you get all of who I am. For however long you've known me, I'm still who I am. But every day I go out and I try to internalize something to make me grow every day, whether it's spiritually, whether it's naturally. And eventually, now we are becoming elders, whether we realize it or not. And the younger, our children one day will. I don't care what they think they know. Eventually, they're going to come across something. And if not, and as um, Mr. Wayne prayed the other night, um, I had to learn there was a season. I, my sons were away. They were in college. But I prayed and asked God to put a man or woman of God in their life that they can receive something from. Sometimes uh, my mother didn't always have a healthy outlook on marriage and men because she had been hurt so deeply. But she finally found the love of her life. And she's been able to soften up, as Lahoma can be a witness, she's softened like 180 degrees from what, what she was when we were growing up because wasn't nobody no good, according to her. And so, you know, it's just been, it's a, just a process. And Dr. Sydney Trim says it best. She says, you know what? It's not a destination, it's a journey. You know, you're not trying to arrive anywhere. I, well, we know our destination is heaven. But in the meantime, we're going to enjoy what we have here on earth. Dr. Leslie. Amen. So at this time, uh, we want to ask, uh, get Mr. Wayne's perspective. Remember, we always bring him in to, uh, we've gotten it from a woman's perspective. So now we want to hear from a man. So Mr. Wayne. Wow, so much. Oh, that was really good, <laughs> Dr. Lane. It really was. Thank you. You know, I, I want to go back. How much time we got? Nine minutes. I won't be too long. I want to go back to something you said about being married to a foreigner. I don't know if anybody caught that. Your approach to that was phenomenal because in what she said was just to reiterate, being married to a foreigner, I had to learn that I may not understand everything, but you still had the respect for him and went with it and, and that created a lot of security probably more than what you know i mean it, it just a lot of love a lot of security because there's and and his approach how you appreciated his approach he didn't come in and try to be domineering with everything he really took his time and i guarantee you he listened to what was going on he was not being passive he listened and he learned and when enough was enough he may not have banged his fist down, but he, like you said, pulled you to the corner and said, listen, sweetie, whatever. You, you know how that is, right? You, you do know Dr. Bengali. <laughs> <laughs> so I love to hear you talk about that. And, and I would even suggest to the women that when you're dealing with your man, he may not be from Africa, but he is a foreigner. I mean, the man and the woman, they are kind of foreigners trying to come together and just to understand that. And a lot of times when we communicate as man and woman, we, I tell Dr. Leslie this, it's not about me making you see my side. If, if I'm truly loving you, my job is to listen to you and to get in your world and your job is to do the same for me. Not for me to stand firm on my position and make you comply to my position. It's about loving the next person more than yourself. 
it's like you, nobody's going to beat me loving. That's just how I am. You're not going to outlove me, right? So I'm going to win that. And so when two people are doing that and, and, and trying that with each other, nothing can happen but vicinity. So I love that analogy when you talked about him. And everything. Yeah, and his approach to your children. That was, that was yeah. phenomenal. Thank you. Um, I want to hear from your sisters, too. I would like to hear her perspective from Mama and, and what have you. Thank you for joining us. So I just wanted to ask, what were your thoughts when you heard your sister speak? And, and from your perspective, what were some of the things you saw coming up with your mom and maybe with your sister and her children? Um, can you all hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she has always been um, very integral in my life. Um, she's, been, she's always been a very a big part of my life. Um, she was nine when I was born. And so um, she's always been a superstar um, to myself and our siblings. Um, she's always been one that has taken care of us um, through the years. Um, I remember going off into the military uh, she was there to put me on the airplane to um, to Texas and then to Korea, and she was there when we got off the plane. And you know, so she's always been um, like our second mom. And um, the things that she's saying, as far as the love that she has shown, um, you know, the the journey one that she's taken with um, with her children, my uh, nieces, my niece and nephews. Um, She's always been uh, a role model um, in that way. And even with uh, education, um, at her prompting, um, I've been able to go back and uh, get my master's degree. So I'm working on my master's degree um, as well. So she's always been a trailblazer. And um, in that, um, it's, it's just been, it's been good. It's been good. Um, and as far as I wanted to talk about from the perspective of a child, um, because my mom, there were relationships that my mom had that, you know, a gentleman that came into our lives when we were children and how my mom handled uh, us getting along with him. And so it was pretty much the same way, you know, she would let us have our opinion. Ultimately, she made the decision, but she would just kind of step back and let us develop our relationship with him. She wasn't pushy and trying to make us, make him be our daddy. You know, she just kind of let the relationships uh, come together and evolve um, pretty much like uh, Ethel with Bengali and their, her children and stuff. So, and it, it helped, you know, it helped us to accept um, him and it helped us to um, help the relationship to evolve. Uh, so, but it's, it's been good. It's been good. I, I hope I made sense. No, you kinda, made sense. Kind of put on the spot. <laughs> no, do you feel it helped because a lot there was a lot of personal contact between you and that male in your mom's life, or was he there from afar, or you actually saw him and you got a chance to see him operate? Um, as far as like whether or not we accepted him, or yes, yes, accepting him and getting to know him, like well. One, um, the main guy um, that I remember, we, we all called him Champ. I think what made us accept him uh, more was because he was, he was a fun guy. You know, he came in more as a 
friend to us more so than mama's boyfriend, you know? And so because he, he kind of joined the group, um, I, I can't really explain it. He was, he didn't come in trying to force himself to be daddy, but because he came in to just kind of join in where he, wherever he would fit in, you know, it made it, it, we accepted him more because he wasn't trying to force his way in to be daddy. And mama wasn't trying to force him to be, you know, a father figure uh, because my father was around. He was just kind of distant around, but um, he, we ended up accepting him and he actually became, I guess you could say not really more of a dad, but we just loved him so that when he passed away, it was like, it was, it was very big on us, even though he wasn't our father. He wasn't even our stepfather. He was just mama's boyfriend, I guess you could say, but he was, he was so a part of the family that it was, it was kind of devastating when he did pass away. So. Wow. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Renee? Yes. Okay, you were going to add. Oh, go ahead. What did you say, Leslie? Um, you had made some comments. Yes, I did. Um, in the chat, um, Dr. Ethel, when you were talking, I had just mentioned about um, you know, last year, and I'll say this real quick, I had a, a little a health scare. And at that time, I made a decision that I was going to move because I was that person that was doing, doing, doing for, for everyone, that I was hanging up my superwoman cape, and I was going to commit more time to God and doing for me. And I turned 50 last year. And I have decided that I'm the second half of my life, I'm going to live the best my best life because I have more time behind me than I do in front of me. So, um, you know, I just want to say that it took, it took that health scare because, you know, I thought I was having a stroke. Thank God it turned out it didn't, but I know it was just, my body was exhausted. I was run down doing for everybody and it just, and, and I wasn't taking proper care of myself you know, not sleeping like I should, not exercising. And um, so, I, you know, I, I hate that the COVID is going on, but I thank God for this extra time. And I'm using it to rest, reflect, and to, to reset. So. Amen. Amen. Okay, Dr. Ethel, as we get ready to close and um, hand it over to Mr. Wayne for prayer, did you want to say some closing remarks? I sure would. Um, first of all, thank you all for participating. Thank you especially to Dr. Leslie and Mr. Wayne for having me. Um, at the end of the day, again, our children are a sum total of what we've put in them, but also what they have been exposed to. And so find um, help them find their purpose. The earlier you do that, the easier all of our lives will be because we will be set in, in the journey on, in which we're supposed to go. But mainly, the main thing is love, 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 love. 
my friend tells me all the time, she says, sister, after I watch you, you can love the hell out of anybody. <laughs> and so that's what I try to do is, you know, all that negativity, just love. It, 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 it would be, I don't care how hard a person is, if you consistently show them love, they will eventually return love. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Ethel. Um, and before Mr. Wayne um, prays us out, I will be sending something to you uh, this weekend. Um, we will not be having the call on Saturday and Sunday, but we will, will resume the rest of the 30 days uh, again on Monday. So please join in. You all have been wonderful, and we want to continue this journey, continue learning as we are all uh, lock down, you know, make it useful and continue to become your authentic self. By the time this is over, people won't even recognize who you are because of how much work you've done on yourself during this time. So, Mr. Wayne. Amen, everybody. Let's bow our heads one last time for the week. And, um, God, again, thank you for the lessons of love and, and everything that we've heard through Dr. Ethel and friends and participants. Uh, your scripture talks in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Galatians 5, 22 talks about the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. In Romans 12, 9, above all says, love must be sincere. So we thank you for the sincerity and the love that's been shown all throughout the week, all the fabulous testimonies and, and everything that's coming from the heart. And we thank you for the healing forthcoming. So we love you. Bless us this weekend. Keep us safe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful Yes, oh. have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Easter. All right. Happy Easter. That's right. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dr. Leslie Inspires. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Also, for more content and resources, please be sure to visit our website, www.drlesslieinspires.com. We'll see you in the next episode.